Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where I interview a debut author about their reading and writing history, what inspires them, their debut book from Genesis to editing it, and from querying agents to finally selling it. If you like what you hear here, check us out on daybeautiful.net and follow us on social media at daybeautiful. Today's guest has written fiction for the anthology Black Punk Now and for Ninth Letter, Volume 1 Brooklyn, Hobart, The Manola Review, and Joyland. Her nonfiction has appeared in the Los Angeles Review of Books, Full Stops, 68 to 05, The Paris Review, Poets and Writers, and Lit Hub. Her debut novel, I Love You So Much, It's Killing Us Both, is out now. Please welcome Mariah Stovall. Hey, Mariah. I just read your official bio, but I'm curious, what is your unofficial bio? Who is Mariah? Yeah, um, I should just start off by saying that I don't really uh, uh, like talking about myself that much, and I'm probably not very good at it, but um, I would say that uh, I I walk around a lot, and I watch a lot of um, YouTube videos in which strangers um, make snap judgments about each other based on very little information. So that's how I like to spend my time. Radical. Okay, what was your snap judgment of me as we popped on? It could be good or bad. I don't care. It won't hurt my heart. Um, Here I am. Judge me. It's not. It's not a judgment. Well, I I have very like strong feelings about the word judgment. I think it has like unnecessary negative connotations. Um, I've been. I get told a lot that I'm very judgmental. I think I have a lot of opinions. I think some of them are positive some are neutral and some are negative um mm-hmm. I will I this isn't a judgment but I would say like my first impression is that I just didn't know that you had bleached hair so it was just nice, nice to see that I also have bleached hair so oh, God, I think everyone should bleach their hair for either ever or at least a time in their life I think it does <laughs> change a person I've been doing it for like a year two years now okay uh, and I'm 35, balding. So like I like <laughs> it like blends into the balding, and uh, right, yeah, that's who I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't like to talk about yourself, and this is going to be a lot of talking about yourself. But I'll try to like not talk about you. Um, maybe okay. I'll just talk about like what do you what did you like to read as a kid? We'll just start there. We'll we'll just go through what you like to read as opposed to more about you. <laughs> what what was your jam as a kid? What did you like? Yeah, I I read a lot, and I think I had like a somewhat unusual like childhood yeah. reading experience. And like, there's not like oh, I really loved this series, or like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this was my favorite book that I read over and over again I think I was more just trying to read like as many different things as possible um like I and I haven't read a lot of the hits like I never read Harry Potter or um or anything like in that space well actually I I read I read some of the Chronicles of Narnia I don't think I made it to the end um I don't think anyone has read all of Chronicles of Narnia (laughs) not not (laughs) even Clive himself yeah. yeah um but the the one series I also don't think I finished, but I actually did follow as a series was um, series of unfortunate events. Um, I liked that. I really liked. I don't. I think it was like technically an adult book. Like I went very deep on Roald Dahl, um, oh, nice. and he has all of these like pretty gnarly like short story collections that are like lesser known. Yeah. Um, and there's one called Skin that I really liked, and the title story is about like someone 
like who has a tattoo on their back that's like this coveted piece of art and it's like the body as a commodity um so I thought that was cool when I was like 10 or however old I was when I was reading that <laughs> Yeah. Were you the type of kid who was also writing like while you're reading these weird books? No, I, um, I know this is like probably like legally debatable at this point, but like, I don't really consider myself a writer. Sure, Um, sure. I, the, my first book, um, that's, that's coming out soon or out soon. I don't know when, when this is, this It'll be episode out the day is coming out. after your, uh, book comes out so it will Okay. be out in the world sure yeah Okay. Yeah. So my, my book that uh, will be out soon, um, is the first thing I ever wrote. Um, like I wrote when you had to like write a short story for like class or something when it was like a mandate, I, I would write, but like, other than that, um, I was always like very interested in, um, in reading primarily. And then when I thought about like what I wanted to do, um, I decided like pretty early on that I wanted to be an editor. So that's like, very much what feels more comfortable and like interesting and exciting to me um for the most part and then one time obviously I decided to write a book and now I'm living on um, the consequences of that Yeah, definitely. I get asked all the time, like if I write and I don't, I don't write. I don't, I just like to talk to people and I like to read. Um, so I feel like I do vibe with that a lot. I also yeah really connected with your book because um, I guess I should ask you because I ask everyone. Uh, so before I talk about why I connect with it, I'll just ask you, what is I love you so much as killing us both about? What is your pitch cutting past like the publicity copy? Yeah, uh, it, my really, like, mysterious pitch um, is that I would say it's about the difference between sympathy and empathy, um, but my more concrete uh, pitch would be that it's about um, two, two people who don't know what their relationship, uh, if anything, to each other should be. Definitely. Uh, I really like complex ships, relationships, friendships, whatever, right? And and I love like the music infused into this book. I came of age when like pop punk emo was hitting its stride. Warped Tour was going from just like shitty parking lots to like amphitheaters and like music was super important to me always um was music as important to you as reading was what was the relationship between the two was one more important Yeah, I'm sorry. Can I ask if you've been to Warp Tour? no weirdly enough Okay. because i I hate also have large never been. yes i just i don't like festivals i'd rather go to a show that's like jam-packed and i can't move but Same. i know i'm only there for three hours as opposed Yeah. to all day um so it's just funny i brought up warp tour and i've never <laughs> we, we, we have no authority yes to speak on Warp so Tour, no but... authority <laughs> to, yes but like that's like that's the age i came like uh, i mean like jimmy world's bleed american came on in 2001 i was in seventh grade it i lived in arizona So it changed my life. I was like, oh, like people, I get it. And I, I didn't get it then. I got it when I was in my 20s. But, you know, um, yeah, so music and reading and what Mm -hmm. you yeah. liked. What was your, yeah, tell me all about that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, um, I I think I had like a pretty normal relationship to music um, until I was about 11. So like, I, you know, I bought some CDs, I listened to like, I I don't know, like Britney Spears and Usher and, and Sync and like, um, some of my older brother's like taste was an influence on me as well. So like, um, like Outkast and like Dipset. Mm -hmm. Um, And so yeah, like I liked music. And then uh, in, I think in sixth grade, I don't even, I guess that's just when like the angst hit mm-hmm. and um, and I heard um, Lincoln Park for the first time and I was yeah. like, what is, what is this? Um, and so I was like super obsessed with them for a couple of years. And then from there ended up finding um, my way to punk music. And I was always like still reading throughout middle school and and high school and everything like as music became a bigger part of my life um but I will say that now I've more circled back to books and I think and to reading and I think I'm like kind of finding um a balance but for whatever reason or probably too many reasons that uh too many reasons that I like couldn't fully process right now um I think the music thing because for me it was very much like um I think I was lucky that I happened to pick um or or be picked by or whatever it is that happens um a genre that is super like accessible in many ways and also like I lived in places where I could access it so sometimes like my uh husband will remind me that like a lot of people have never been to a concert or they've only Mm -hmm. been to a couple and it's because like maybe they just live in a place where they're not able to do that or the artists who they want to see are like very um it's just like really hard to get tickets to see them versus like I think now like definitely like pre-pandemic if something costs more than like $30 I was like okay like what are what are we doing here and I would probably pay it because I wanted to support the band but like I just like my frame of reference is anything from like free to like ten dollars to you know around you know definitely like less than 50 um and so I think maybe I had like too much access to the um the live music part of it and just Mm -hmm. the um I don't know and I think I maybe like got burnt out on that for for a little bit and just like took a step back even pre-pandemic um I wasn't really going to shows anymore um and like now I've kind of started again but I don't ever see myself having the same sort of consistency that I did when I was like a teenager or in my early Mm -hmm. 20s which I think is okay but then it I don't know it's it's just weird it's it's different and I'm like still um still getting used to it so I think like you know if if it's a competition at the end of the day I think like I am more of a of a book person and that that's going to be like you know more of a lifelong thing but um I do um, yeah, I, I like music a lot too, but just in a, in a different way. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I feel very similar. I, every Friday was going to a local band. Screamo was huge when I was in high school and it was mm-hmm. just like every Friday, a $10 cover cash only at like wherever. Yeah. And then I loved music all through my twenties. And then maybe like 27, I like stopped listening to a lot of new music. Um, or there's like five bands I would go see and whenever they have a new album, but like, and I have friends who are still very into the music scene, they're musicians. And I'm just like, I just don't have the energy to like, yeah, I'm I'm tired also. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like there's a venue, I live in Denver. There's a venue that's like, you know, it's definitely all supposed to be like standing room, like that party vibe, but then they have like bleacher seats. I'm like, there we go. Bleacher yeah. seats is where I need <laughs> to be. Um, you knew you wanted to get into, I think you said you wanted to be an editor or I yeah. may have misheard you. Sorry. When did that happen? When did you say like, no, you want to be on like that, like the um, back end of the writing world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know, it's hard to pinpoint, mm -hmm. but um, I will say that uh, another way in which I've been very lucky is that um, my parents are, are writers in different senses of the word in various mediums um, and have, uh, my mom has published multiple books and my dad co-authored a book with her at one point. Um, and so I always like, I think a lot of people don't kind of know that publishing exists as an industry or a career, but like, I was always aware of that. Like I thought it was like really cool when my mom would have like a galley or like pages yeah. that she was reading for her friend or herself. And I would like edit them. Like she would also like let me edit them. Um, and so I just, kind of knew that was on my radar like very early and I I just really um I don't know I, I just really liked it and it felt right I mean it's kind of like when you're pursuing an English degree or whatever um it's kind of like do you want to be a teacher or a writer and I uh don't want to do either of those things so I do think it would be fun to be like a substitute teacher in like high school for yeah. like a little bit but like I probably think that's more fun than it, than it actually would be. Um, and so, yeah, with, with uh, teaching and writing off the table, I feel like, you know, editing is, is kind of uh, one of the few things that's left. It's like a very obvious um, way to work with books. Mm -hmm. You currently are a lit agent with Trellis, which I won't, I'll get to eventually, but did you ever, were you ever doing editing? Did you ever get into that lane? Uh, they they didn't want me for whatever reason. I I tried so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a couple of jobs at publishing houses before I switched over to agencies, but um, I yeah never never got an editorial job. Yeah, the publishing jobs as employers, the, the whole world is interesting. Like the business side of publishing is fascinating. I don't think a lot of people think about it. It's like everyone wants to get into it. And then is it good for your mental health? Uh, no. Et cetera. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so you how how did you carve your way into agencies? Yeah. So um when I was in college, um, again, just another stroke of luck. I uh lived outside of New York, so I was able to um have summer internships. Um, and so I had my first internship was at um, Touchstone, which is a an old mm -hmm. imprint. Um, at Simon & Schuster, I was doing publicity there. Um, and then my uh, the young woman I was working with, um, Sericia Fennell, um, who's really great, she told me, she was just kind of asking me what I was interested in. Um, and she told me about Folio, which was an agency that had a good internship program. And so um, the following summer, I entered at Folio. Um, first job out of college was at um, Simon & Schuster um, at Gallery Books, mm -hmm, which if mm -hmm. you know me and if you know Gallery Books, is very funny. 
um, because that's just like not my scene mm -hmm. at all. But I learned mm -hmm. a lot at that job and I was glad that I had it. But I worked um, for the publishing office. So not an editorial job, kind of a big picture project management type of job. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to move over to some sort of editorial position within Simon & Schuster at a different imprint. That didn't work out. Um, I interviewed for agency and uh, uh, publishing house jobs. I ended up at FSG in the publicity position again. Um, and FSG was somewhere that I did really like their books. Um, mm -hmm. And then I kind of on a whim applied to an agency job at Writer's House um, and then ended up, that was when I like made the switch and, and have been um, on that side of it ever since. So I think I had um, like four, at one point I think I had like four or five jobs in like as many years. And so mm -hmm. it was a lot of like maneuvering um and just having to like trust that I was making good decisions um but now my um my taxes are very annoying to do because of all the different um, yeah. income streams yeah and then you're a lit agent now um and I won't even ask about it too much I just want to know your path to it because day beautiful is mm -hmm. all about like paths yeah and so you do that that's your that's your job but then you also wrote this book and it was, yeah. why, why did you, after all these years say, I'm going to write a book? Yeah. Um, so I think it, it, two things, I think I was a little bit bored when I started writing it. Um, I was working, you know, I was very happy to be working yeah. in publishing, but it wasn't a job I necessarily was super excited about. Um, this is when I was at gallery. And so um, I was really wanting to read a book about um this kind of music world that I came from um and was like oh may maybe someone else will write it you know who knows what what people are working on out there and then um I I don't think I waited a super long time to just think you know what I'll I'll just do it myself yeah. um and uh yeah so I, I wrote the first draft in um I think uh, I think. Um, and so, yeah, I obviously didn't know what I was doing. I'd never written uh, before, had, you know, maybe should have started with short stories, but it's, you know, too late to go back now. Um, and so I think I just um, was really interested in this idea um, of how to, I think, like, kind of give back to and pay homage to that, um, that music community. Like, obviously, people do traditional, like, archival and preservation type work in terms of like um you know writing nonfiction about music and and doing interviews with musicians and um you know collecting records and, and all those sorts of things but um again I come from like being most interested in reading as like my favorite art form and so I wanted to like put a fictional spin on that um and then this is uh kind of where I um where I ended up but I, I really just wanted to like figure out like what the legacy of the, this music world was going to be um when I started writing it it was like kind of before it had been like officially cemented as much as like um emo revival and like 
the pitchforkification and, and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, when I was younger, there like a band like Fall Out Boy or Green Day like was legitimately like a popular household name. And I was like pretty sure none of the bands I wanted to write about were ever going to get to that level, um, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to kind I was just interested in this idea of like what the um what the written record um around these artists was going to be um in like however many years. Yeah, and you have written a lot about music and culture um in like various uh places. There's you have a lit hub essay uh in 65 68 to 05 that you wrote about Jay-Z and Lincoln Park's collision course, which was a game changer in a lot of ways. Um, so you've always written about music. I guess was there ever a thought of I'm going to try to write for pitchfork or spin or I'm gonna be a music journalist? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> so that is a fair question. I think I mean I don't actually know anything about music. Like I don't, yeah. I have, and, and I, I yeah. would like to, yeah. I like to keep yeah, it that way. Fine. Like, I think yeah. that um, the very like kind of technical understanding and theoretical understanding I have about writing is good. And I really enjoy that, but I think it's nice to have another thing where it's like, Oh, I'm just like going off of informal, just like how I feel or like whatever, not having like the same, um, language or like professionalism to be able to apply to it um so no I was never interested in and in being um a music journalist or anything like that I also feel like that involves would involve too much like talking to people um even though like I I think a lot of people get into publishing thinking like oh I'm just gonna have get to read and not have to talk to anyone which is not true so it's, you know, I, I ended up in maybe a, a similar situation anyway, but um, I, I honestly, I think working on publishing and kind of seeing how the machine works in terms of trying to establish yourself as a writer, especially like I wasn't coming out of like an MFA program or anything like that. Um, as I was writing this book, which is now, uh, I think it's been what, like eight, nine years from inception to publication I was I just kind of saw that like the thing to do is to, like publish essays along the way and like I was like okay well this book's about music let me write about music and so it was kind of a strategy thing but also it's it's pretty easy for me to write about music in a personal way but going beyond that I feel like that's like not really my uh my space to take up sure. you also wrote uh for poet and writers uh the art of the comp title uh which comp titles are my favorite thing on the planet. It is. Oh, art me form. too. It's Everyone so interesting. Them. I like that. <laughs> I, um, I talked to a bookseller and they're like, comp titles, they're like, that's how we sell books. It's like, uh, I mean, they're their own comps, not necessarily like what's on mm -hmm. the publicity copy, but yeah, it's just fascinating to me. Um, what are your comp titles for? I love you so much as killing us both. Maybe that didn't yeah. make the official comp title list. Okay, yeah, that's a good question. Because um, I went through, again, this was such a long process that I would like change them up every, you know, couple months or years or or whatever. Um, but I think, um, I will answer your question. Um, but I think the reason that I like them so much is because 
it's very similar to the way that um, I did or, or do approach music where it's kind of like, oh, you see who else is on the flyer with the band that you already like and then you go listen to them or you see like what shirt, like what band shirt so-and-so is wearing and like go like check them out. And it is this idea that like the information and like kind of taste making is available to you if you're willing to like, you know, go out into the landscape. Um, so I think that's uh, why I like them. But some of my comp titles, I think the official ones right now are um, High Fidelity and um, Trust Exercise. Um, I, which just for the record, I didn't read High Fidelity when I was younger. I only read it after I had already, you know, written a, a couple drafts um, of this book. Um, and obviously trust exercise came out after I was already querying and everything. Um, I would say the other ones are Luster um, by Raven Leilani. I think there's just like, unfortunately, very few like contemporary um, literary novels by black women that aren't tied to like the kind of obvious like um, racial issues that um, that you see in, in other fiction by black authors, which is like, you know, it's it's all good, obviously, but it's just, you know, um, I, I was really glad to see how much um, success that book had, um, kind of out of nowhere, almost, um, very well deserved. Um, I think Fiona and Jane is a, a friendship story um, that I know has done well. Um, Marlena by Julie Bunton at one point, um, Virgin Suicides by Jeffrey Eugenides. Um, I think oh and uh the kind of like behind the scenes thing that I think is very very obvious um is that the two the first two books that I sold as an agent um I think are, are if you kind of combine them you you almost get um my book and those are post-traumatic by Chantal Johnson and groupies by Sarah Priscus um and so those books are both very dear to my heart and getting to work on them helped make me a better writer um, and yeah, I, I can't say enough, uh, good things about those two. Yeah. Both gave beautiful favorites. I really like both of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I interviewed Chantal, but I interviewed Sarah. Uh, that was a fun mm -hmm. chat. Um, yeah. another thing I, I guess I will ask about this conversation really focused on the business side of things, so comp <laughs> titles. Another thing that I think, um, like is a business side of publishing is uh, blurbs, like talking to like authors to be like, Hey, will you read my book? How do you like, not necessarily your book, but how do you feel about author blurbs? The, the art, is there an art to, is there an essay in you, the art of asking authors for blurbs? I don't think, I mean, honestly, I know it's the exact same thing, but I feel so much more comfortable asking my clients or asking people to blurb my clients than I do uh, doing the same thing for myself. Um, I don't think, I don't think there's an art to it. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward. You know, you're a lot of the times going to ask people you already have some relationship with, and then you're also going to go out on a limb and ask some other people. And some of them will say yes and, and all of those things. But, um, I mean, to me, I think the more interesting question is like, do blurbs matter? Like are blurbs dumb? I, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm I'm very interested in the reader side of things. Um, I wish I had tried harder to 
get a, a job at a bookstore when I was younger, I kind of pursued it a little bit, but like didn't really, really go for it. Um, but like right now, like I like I love Goodreads reviews. Like I'm very fascinated by those. I'm very fascinated by like um, things like book talk or like the different uh, book subreddits where or podcasts where they like talk about the book, but don't interview the author when it's just like people getting to discuss like that's my jam. Like I, I love that so much. And I feel like so many readers seem to not really care about blurbs unless it's from an author who they like already have a really, really strong attachment to. But like, I know on my end of things that like, it helps with like booksellers, for instance, And so that has a domino effect or a chain reaction kind of down the line. And so I, but I, I do think it would be fun if for like a year, we just like got rid of like no blurbs for anyone and like saw what happened. Um, but yeah, I, I think they serve some sort of function, but I'm not totally convinced by them, but I'm obviously very thankful to everyone who blurbed my book and I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So I worked in an, uh, I worked at Barnes and Noble and then I worked at an independent bookstore, uh, like part-time when I was, had a full-time job. And then I eventually became, uh, I ran events for an indie bookstore. So I have a ties to bookstores, but I'm trying to think of when I didn't be, I guess, so I've always had a weird relationship with bookstores and books and authors, but I definitely, I think it's similar to like the idea of a band and the Uh, flyers right um like I think for a while like George Saunders if I saw his name I was like oh I liked his books and this mm -hmm. was before I realized like oh he teaches at Syracuse these are all yeah. my face <laughs> but like but like it was kind of like a flyer thing like oh definitely like I like Jimmy World so I'll go see this band mm -hmm. I like George so but I don't know if the average reader thinks about that I don't think but, they care I really yeah. don't but maybe they do now because I think everything's become like everyone is a critic like everyone can sure. have a bookstagram everyone could have a book talk yeah. so it's like you know everyone's an influencer now but yeah I do find it interesting I think for me as day beautiful uh, yeah what do you think of blurbs I like to read them after I already <laughs> like read the book um mm -hmm. like when I get an email from a publicist or a lit agent I don't read like I mean, you've seen pitch, like, you know how like emails yeah. are formatted. I don't really read the blurbs um, for the most part. I, uh, and I know like this is the business side of thing, but there's certain publicists who like know how to pitch me and like, they, mm -hmm. like they, they do their generic email, but they like have like a specific thing that would catch my eye. And I'm like, Oh, sweet. Like, um, so maybe I am a sucker for like the machine <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> but I try not to be, I do like just get random books mailed to me and I do pick them up without reading anything. Like I, throw or I recycle the paper that comes with it I don't you know uh it is interesting I rather just vibe with the book like than anything um writing blurbs is wild like and the beautiful like has that my lists every month and it's yeah. like I don't have anything to say other than it's good just go pick <laughs> it up you know <laughs> I yeah up. I agree I've like um I've preemptively decided that I think I'm like for myself I'm gonna have like a no blurb policy um mm -hmm. and my excuse is just that like oh because like you know of my day job and everything um but I you know I would be happy to like support people's books in other ways but I'm yeah I'm kind of glad I feel like I have an out 
from from that like yeah. whole economy um it it is a it's a weird one yeah um maybe people who want to use you as a blur could just use will not blur but will support mariah stovall <laughs> yeah uh that's a plus um i guess i i 30 minutes in you talked a lot about yourself i'm gonna ask you like two more questions i promise okay. and then um you're a lit agent i do want to talk about this because i i mm -hmm. in 2024 i'm gonna do like these like ama zoom panels with like indie authors lit agents uh oh, cool etc so i, I just to, like de demystify publishing so one of them will yeah. be with lit agents maybe i'll bug you maybe i won't no please do but, but yeah. a short version of like what for people who are listening who are like just thinking about getting into the writing world uh etc what is a lit agent what is like the pitch of what a lit agent is. Yeah, so your um, your agent is kind of your um, your liaison into the industry. So they they take care of you and your work, hopefully. Um, so basically, uh, most publishers um, there are there's no other way to put this. There are too many people who want to write books. There are too many books, and there are not enough people to read them um mm -hmm. and so uh publishers have to make a lot of tough decisions and just like based on the sheer numbers of everything like really cut down the pool of submissions they're receiving so a literary agent um is able to submit to publishers on an author's behalf um some publishers take unagented submissions uh, but most of them do not um so your agent um, is someone who will read your work in sort of the early, but probably full draft stages, especially for fiction. Um, they'll not only like your book, it's not just about liking your book or thinking you're a good writer, or even thinking that your book is going to sell um, and make them money, but it's about um, them really having the capacity to kind of you know stick with you in the long run and like, know the right editors to connect you with um whereas like if I read a YA horror novel that I really loved I wouldn't represent it because I just don't have contacts in that space so your agent is there to like match you up with the right people once they um sell your book for you they're there to um make sure that you're you know things are going smoothly you're being taken care of along the way um that you're feeling heard and supported by your publisher maybe they're able to fill in some gaps if um, if need be, and they also, you know, take care of um, your contracts and your payments and sort of the administrative support as well. Um, and there's also a lot of emotional labor that that goes into the job. Um, it's probably why it and also editing. Um, there, I think there are other reasons, but is often a, a very female-dominated um, profession. Um, and so it's. Um, I think it's a really cool job. I, I like to think that I'm helping in some small way, like push boundaries in terms of the things that get published, just based on my own taste and what I believe in and what I'm open to. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a tough job. It often feels, you know, thankless, but we're right there with you when you succeed and when you fail and we don't get paid unless you get paid. So there's that to keep in mind as well. Yeah, I think going back to do blurbs matter or do uh, comp titles matter, I think what I've discovered uh, the more I get into like the nitty gritty of the publishing world is like 
knowing a lit agent was behind a like with a book uh that excites me more than anything because like I, I know their taste you know so um yeah so I I'll wrap up with this question um what are you reading for pleasure outside of your job <laughs> what what is or what are you watching what are you enjoying what are you listening to um what is yeah. Amariah's mind that's uh, that's a good question. Um, there, there are definitely phases where I, I just don't really mm -hmm. read for pleasure at all. Um, just because then I would be do interacting with like no other culture other than books. And that's not something I want for myself, but, um, I have been reading and of course now I'm going to be like, I don't remember what the, oh, I, I read, um, I think last weekend, um, is it Piranesi or Piranese by um, Susanna Clark? Um, oh, okay, yeah. It's like a, I guess it's technically a fantasy novel, yeah. um, which is a little bit different for me, but um, uh, that was uh, definitely interesting. Um, what, I feel like I, I don't, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else I, I've how... read um but I'm, glad, I, I'm, I'm gonna leave all that in because like I talk about all the time when people ask me when I'm reading like I don't like I'm reading a lot and I want to talk about a book that came out like a week ago so people can go buy it as opposed to six months from now um yeah it's so hard um and I mean yeah I'm, I'm reading a lot of ma clients manuscripts right yeah, now exactly and, and query manuscripts but watching um I was uh not actively watching but just like had a couple episodes of uh millionaire matchmaker on last yeah. night because i love reality television yeah same um but we're we're currently in a new season of the bachelor mm -hmm. um that's exciting um i i think uh i'm always listening to lana del rey um just announced a new album mm -hmm. um, it's a country album or did i just see a tweet that it is okay. no yeah yeah it's it's a country album so we'll see uh we'll see how that goes yeah. um and i think the last uh what's the last band i listened to i'm not gonna remember the name of the album but the band is actually so let me let me actually look yeah. um very quickly um the last non um Lana album that I listened to was uh, Black Line by Respire, which is kind of like, I don't know, those hardcore screamo metal mm -hmm. influenced a little bit, a little yeah. more metal influence than I usually go for. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I can think of. That's fair. Yeah. Really. I listen, I listen to a lot of like uh, sad girl rock. That's what I call okay. it. Uh, like Alanis Morissette's my favorite. Like Jagged mm -hmm. Little Pill is my favorite album. Uh, I have like a Lilith Fair playlist from like <laughs> 1997. You know what I mean? Uh, but I really got into um, Turnstile, which is not like okay. that. They're louder than I normally listen to, but my friends oh, okay. all like them. They took me to a concert. I was like, wow, this is fun. But I was like, I had like, I like acoustic. I need <laughs> everything's okay. too loud for me yeah but, uh, no turnstile is a is a fascinating band yeah um, they are I, interesting. can i ask you if you had a tongue machine and you had to would you rather go to warp tour or lilith fair oh lilith fair 100 okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
I want to thank Mariah so much for joining the Debutiful podcast to talk about her debut novel, I Love You So Much, It's Killing Us Both. You can find her on the internet at mariahstovall.com, on Instagram at stove.stove.stove, that's stove, 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 with periods in between. Her Twitter is retiredpunk. You can find me, Adam, at VitCabbage on all social media. You can find Daybeautiful at daybeautiful.net and at Daybeautiful on all social media. And as always, I'm Adam. This is Daybeautiful. And you're all beautiful. <laughs>